Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Alhamdulillah. <coughs> Salatu was salam wa ala rasulallah Shadu wa la ilaha ila wa shurna muhammadan Dahu wa asuf Assalamu alaikum brothers Salatu alaikum brothers brother for instruction um, <coughs> Yesterday I was uh, scanning uh, Some of the news uh, related to the famine To the subject itself And um, the report that I read um, On Jazeera online uh, In that they've actually quoted UN's <coughs> chief who is responsible for the humanitarian aid is Stephen O'Brien and he had said that the famine which is happening at this moment in time as the brothers mentioned we're talking about specifically here uh, Central Africa, Central East Africa uh, he said that this famine is the largest humanitarian crisis in the history of UN and uh, I then further looked and, uh, on a different site and I went to Oxfam's site and, uh, did, and, and, and looked at what they're saying about this and it was very clear according to Oxfam um, they're saying that millions are on the brink of starvation across the region and their estimates are that 30 million people are on the verge of starvation in those countries and this is the largest hunger emergency in the world so this is really a shocking numbers um, as have brothers mentioned uh, rightly that we are living at a time where we have access to technology communication plenty of food there are food mountains everywhere and yet we are seeing that there are about 30 million people on the brink of starvation now famines as such have always been part of human history you go back 300 years, 500 years, 1000 years, 2000 years you will find that there have always been problems related to the weather you know we have seen uh, lack of rain which has led to droughts we have seen floodings and these are the natural things that happen across the world been happening you know since time began and the result of that have been that people have been able to deal with them if you go back to 500 years, 700 years, 1000 years you'll find that the number of deaths resulting from famines have been relatively low actually I mean you're talking about few thousand people or tens of thousands of people or in a worst case situation you might have seen hundreds of thousands of people probably die but over the last 300 years if you examine the uh, that you know the, the, the data that we have over the last 300 years what we have actually seen is exponential rise in the deaths resulting from famines the scale have just gone up by 10 times so what has happened in the last 300 years why has suddenly shot up you know what has changed in the world is it that we have huge number of people now you know, the human race has actually, uh, I mean, the number of people on earth have increased steadily, but the number of people dying for famines have gone out of proportion. So the last 300 years, when you look at them, 
you'll actually notice that we have seen the rise of capitalism as a way of life dominating the world in its proper form it's been about 300 years 350 years or whatever it's been around and just under 100 years ago we also saw the rise of communism another ideology, another way of life which have dominated you know, certain parts of the world and at the same time we have seen the decline of Islam okay, because the Muslims have weakened over the centuries and specifically in the last 100-200 years there has been a massive decline so here is a correlation Islam has declined so the rule of Muslims has actually declined we've gone on to the backstage capitalism has risen from Europe and spread around the world so the Europeans actually went out and conquered the world and implemented their system and their thinking and at the same time we have seen massive number of famines happening and tens of millions of people dying so definitely there is a correlation between capitalism and this way of life and the number of people uh, dying uh, in masses and I actually put some data together when I was researching into this from 1769 you know I've actually just captured those famines where more than one, one million people have died and just some of them 1769 Great Bengal Famine it's in India 10 million people died who was in charge? East India Company, the British and the capitalists 1783 Chalisa famine, again in India 11 million people died 1837 Agra famine in India, again we find millions of people dying the British are in charge <coughs> even close to home here 1845 we see famine in Ireland the Irish famine where 1.5 million people died who was in charge? the British and so on we can go on and the latest or, or the most recent one from at least uh, from the parts of the world that most of us originate from from the Indian subcontinent 1943 Bengal famine this is where up to 7 million people in India died of starvation and not just from India but if you look at areas outside India other regions, Russia, China uh, you find that 20-30 million people have died um, as a result of famine so these are just the highlights of, you know, of, of, of the famines uh, that have occurred recently so what is a famine? how do we define famine actually? now the only definition that is used at the moment around the world is the definition given by United Nations and what they have stated is that famine is when at least 20% of households in an area face extreme food shortage with a limited ability to cope or if the malnutrition rate exceeds 30% acute malnutrition or if the death rate exceeds two persons per day per 10,000 people so this is how they define famine now from Islamic perspective we don't have a definition of famine because in Islam we don't wait until two people die every day before we take action later on we'll go through how Islam responds to that because we have our own unique way of responding to famines so what are the causes of the famines? obviously, naturally, I mean um, 
famines are a result of lack of food which results from lack of rain where the crops may fail um, we might also have a situation where we find floods which wipe out the crops and this impacts the, uh, the food uh, for the people we may see other natural phenomena maybe earthquakes or whatever so essentially famines are caused by shortage of food which are as a result of the natural phenomena that happens but this is generally understood by most people however there are additional factors which we must take into account of why famines happen and this is something which people don't talk about which people don't really discuss about one of them is the deliberate diversion of resources away from set of people okay food, food might be plentiful but if you strip that food away from certain number of people and you don't give them anything in substitute or you don't give them any means by which they can you know re, uh, regrow that food or get food from other places then you're going to find famine so basically stripping away food or diverting food supplies from an area leads to famines the other point also is the fact that when you change your agricultural system and you mess around with your agriculture and you deviate from what has been practiced by hundreds of years of how to grow food you're going to actually create a mess and this is what we call the mismanagement of agriculture and this also leads to famine and these two last points are not natural these are man-made there's a, a quite a good book actually out um, by um, one of the uh, Irish um, intellectuals and he is uh, one of the leading uh, experts on famines uh, his name is uh, Cormac Ograda and he's written a book uh, called Famine a Short History and he actually said that there's another cause of famines and that is wars that many nations use food supply food chain uh, sorry food supplies as a source of weapon and they may withhold food from people they may divert that at the times of war to put pressure on the opposition and this is also another cause um, of famine and we have seen that in India 1943 the great famine that took place there where 7 million people died how was that caused? well although there were droughts and there were some natural conditions associated with that but the food that was assigned for that area was diverted by the British under Churchill who was the Prime Minister away from India towards Europe to feed the people here in Europe and their troops they had plenty of food but they decided no we need to get more food here and the Indians are now important to us really so therefore we'll actually you know, leave them to their fate and we'll get on with it and we know that Churchill he was a hater of the Indians and anybody Asian he was a racist guy vicious against foreigners and in his speeches you can see that and I'm just going to quote and this is available everywhere on the internet and public libraries that Churchill his famous remarks related to 1940s famine were this he said I hate Indians <laughs> they are a beastly people with a beastly religion the famine was their own fault for breeding like rabbits now how vicious can you get as a Prime Minister of Britain, United Kingdom one of the most powerful nations in the recent history and yet these are his views so how is he expected to feed the people underneath him the citizens of India or the colonized nations so he removed 
or rather he stripped the people of the food and seven million people died so this is how the famines actually happened so what is the reason why these things are happening um, with these people well, the reason why these famines are happening under the, 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 the nations like British and the others and so on is simply because they're following a system whereby they do not value life they have their own set of objectives, priorities and this is driven from their view of life, of capitalism what is capitalism? capitalism is a way of life where man is the hakim, he's the legislator he decides what is right and what is wrong not Allah, not God, not anything else but man himself decides and in his wisdom man decides that look, what's important for me is material gain that's the ultimate thing for me, I'm a human here, I live once so I want to satisfy myself and therefore the material acquisition becomes prime motive for him ultimately that is driving uh, the system here and therefore you find that when people move into other nations, when they colonized they're not interested in helping the people there they're interested in acquiring the wealth the resources from those lands because this fits in with their lifestyle, with their view of life so building of trains, you know, the railway lines across India was not a gift that they gave to the Indians that hey, you know, you can travel easily, no it's because they want to ship out resources from one land, one area to the other, you know, get them out of the ports so they can load them onto the ships and send the cotton and the wheat and all the other produce they have and spices out of India to Europe, to Britain and to around the world where they can sell so all the development that you see in the colonized nations have been purely because this aided the stripping of the resources from those nations and that is what capitalism is all about they want to maximize their returns, maximize their material gain and profitability hence we see in the last 300 years when capitalism has dominated that they've actually interfered with other nations food supply chain, their life for the benefit of themselves and going back to the issue even to Ireland, I mean Ireland is just around the corner from us 1845 Britain was in charge, the English were in charge rather I would say not the British but the English were in charge because these are the sort of people who conquered Scotland and took over Ireland and you know other areas and uh, they wanted to basically feed uh, the regions of English because there was some shortage of food at the time and they decided hey you know what we're going to do we're going to take the potato harvest you know from Ireland and bring it here because we need it more than they do and we don't care if they die so they stripped the Irish of potatoes and that was a staple diet for the people and within a period of two to three years the population of 8 million fell to 5 million and this is the reason why you find over 2 million Irish in the US because they had no choice but to leave the region because they, they would starve here you know, one and a half million died here starvation and the others jumped on a boat and said hey, we've got to get out of here and the nearest place they could go to where they had probably a link was the US and then they, off they went so you find 2 million now Irish community, well now it's more than that but 2 million at the time went to the US and you find a massive community there and this is because the English here you know, diverted the food supply and that caused the famines and so on so, how do we deal with the situation now? if you look at it from an Islamic perspective how do we approach famines and what's our view? Islam has given human beings three things, three rights 
Um, and this is mentioned to us in hadith which is narrated in Tirmidhi where Uthman ibn Affan reported that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said that Ibn Adam, the son of Adam, has no right except for the following Baytun Yaskuluhu, a house where he can live. Bathobun Yawari, Auratahu, clothes, the thobe, which refers to the clothes which he can cover his nakedness. Bajilful Hubzi Walbai, and a piece of bread and water. So Islam has defined the rights of every human being as being shelter, place where we can live, clothes, which we use to cover our nakedness, and food, bread and water. These are the basic rights that Islam has defined. And every human being deserves that, you know, whether the Muslim or not Muslim. And Islam has obliged this uh, duty to be fulfilled by everybody in the society. And when you're talking about Islamic uh, rule, this obligation actually goes to both the citizens, the Muslims, and the ruler. As for the obligation of citizens in the Islamic State, yes, it is our duty to ensure that nobody starves in that society, that everybody is taken care of. There is a hadith, which is quoted in Mabuhari, where Ibn Abbas told us there, saying that he heard Rasulullah say, a man is not a believer who fills his stomach while his neighbor is hungry. So this one hadith alone gives us an obligation that we as Muslims, you know, we will be sinful if we were to be content with ourselves whilst a neighbor starves and is hungry and there's no food. So we are obliged to help each other. We are obliged to share the food that we have. Yeah? And this is just one hukam. There are many others. In the Quran there are many, many verses which encourage the people to spend the wealth they have because the poor and the needy have a right over the wealth. And we know the rules of sadaqah, we know the rules of zakah. All of these are there so that we distribute the wealth that we have. And amongst the wealth is the food. Yes? So now if there is a famine, if there is a drought, if there is a shortage of food for any reason, and some people go without that, it's the duty of the others to help so that everybody survives. And this is how we find that throughout Islamic history, people have been helping each other. And this is one of the reasons why we find that the deaths have been very minimal under, under the rule of Islam due to these adverse uh, weather uh, conditions. So this is the duty of the citizens, that we've got to help each other. There's also an obligation on the ruler of the state, the imam or the khalifa, whichever name you uh, choose to use. And this comes from the hadith, where um, it is stated um, that every one of you is a shepherd and is responsible for his flock. The leader of people is a guardian and is responsible for his subjects. Yes, so this is the hadith, it's a long hadith. But in that, the key thing is that the leader is, is a guardian and is responsible for his subject. This hadith is in Bukharian and Muslim. And from that we conclude, you know, that the ruler of the Muslims, he has the responsibility of the welfare of the people underneath him. And here we're talking about the citizens underneath him, and they are Muslims and non-Muslims. Okay? Uh, and therefore he is tasked with a duty to ensure 
that nobody goes hungry because the rights that we mentioned earlier on that every human being has a right of shelter, of clothes, of foodstuff this is also the uh, duty that the, that the leader or the imam will fulfill ensuring that everybody has that so what happens now if in any society or in any part of the land we find that there is shortage of food and we as individuals cannot help each other there is a shortage of food well in this case then the ruler will step in and he will use the resources of the state to ensure that everybody is looked after he will mobilize yes the administrative system of the state through which we can ensure that the food supplies are taken from the different lands that we rule bring them into the areas where they needed most it is a duty it is a fundamental duty of the ruler and that is something that was done throughout the history of Islam and this is how we find that the famines were actually dealt with very effectively now we have many many examples of this throughout the history of Islam but let's just me, let me just give you two examples one example from the time of the Sahaba and one example from the last decade of Islamic rule okay. so let's go back to the time of Omar bin al-Khattab and the year is 640 Christian era or the common era in Medina we find that uh, not just Medina actually but the whole area of Arabia was afflicted uh, with drought crops had, had failed and there was severe shortage of food and this was putting immense pressure on the people so how did Amr bin al-Khattab deal with that? well he immediately wrote to all his governors in the provinces of the Islamic State yes and he said we need help so therefore please send food supplies immediately to the areas affected which was Medina and some of the other surrounding areas and we find that the Muslims responded the governors responded they put the food on the camels and the horses and whichever means of transport they had and they dispatched them immediately to the areas that were affected and this actually effectively solved the problem of the famine we don't find any records that massive amount of people died starved in Medina that's not the case yes there were hardship of course but people survived simply because the state mobilizes full resources and people send in the grain and the foodstuff from all over the place, primarily from Egypt, Syria, Iraq, which were the closest. And this helped to deal with the famine of the time. And the response of Omar was that he vowed, he said, you know, I will not eat my full belly. Yes, I will eat only the food of an average person on the street until the famine has been lifted and he refused to eat meat in that time he refused to eat butter at the time because he wanted to be like the rest of the people and he was so concerned, so concerned with the situation of the people during that time yes, that people were praying to Allah you know, and they were supplicating to Allah and what was the supplication? Oh Allah, weaken the severity of famine we fear that Omar would die worrying about the difficulties of Muslims so here you find, you know, the people are looking at the ruler, how concerned he was, day and night, about the situation of the people. And contrast that now to today's rulers, who live in palaces. Yes? And they're a million miles away from the Ummah. Right in front of the doorstep, you know, we have people who are starving to death. 
Somalia, how far is that from Saudi Arabia? Yemen is the same land as Saudi Arabia, with just a border in between. How many Muslims are on the point of starvation in Yemen even? So very, very different uh, way of dealing with uh, these from the time of Islam and from the time when we don't have Islam. Let me give you another example, and this time the example from the latter history. The great Irish famine, the one that I mentioned about, 1845, Christian era. So when the Irish famine was happening, at the time we had the Khilafah, which was based, or rather whose, which, whose capital was based in Istanbul, and the Khalifa at the time was Sultan Abdul Majid. He noticed the famine and the hardship that ordinary people were having. And out of pity and out of obligation that, you know, as humans we've got to help, he decided to send in aid to the Irish. Now, you've got to look at our situation at the time, that the Islamic State was very weak in that time, financially and politically. We ourselves were suffering. And, you know, there was a common term used, or common phrase used in Europe, that Turkey is a sick man of Europe. That's because we had a lot of problems internally and financially and other things and so on. But yet, despite that, <coughs> the Khalifa, he decided he chose to help the people in Ireland. So he approached, the, he approached Queen Victoria and he wanted to contribute £10,000 of that time, which is equivalent of £10 million today, towards the Irish famine to help the people. And you know what Queen Victoria refused? She said, no, 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 no. You cannot have that. We'll only accept £1,000. What was the real reason? Because she didn't pay anything to Irish. She only contributed £2,000. The whole nation was dying, starving, and she just contributed £2,000 of her money, you know, from the government, towards helping them. So she did not want somebody else to come and give, you know, £10,000. No way. So she refused. Oh, £1,000 is okay, we'll take maybe, uh, thank you very much for your help, and that's it. Now, this is not right. I mean, people are still going to die. So, Khalifa, yes, Sultan Abdul Hamajib, he actually sent five boats full of food and cash directly to Ireland. Now, the British were blockading those ships. So, they couldn't go to Dublin. So, they went around and they actually um, docked at another place, um, which was um, just further up from Dublin. And, uh, yes, this is the, uh, we're just trying to get the, get the name right, actually, yes. Um, yeah. So, what was the name? Dogba. exactly, yeah. So, this is where it was actually, uh, the, the ships were docked. And since then, the Irish actually have been using the crescent and star in their coat of arms. And even the football club of the local area, to this day, actually has crescent and the star uh, as part of his, uh, part of his logo. Because they remember the generosity of the Muslims. Because that saved a lot of people there. You know, a lot of money, a lot of food came and uh, helped them. So here we find an example where the people who were dying were not Muslims. And they were not even part of the Islamic rule. They were not in the Islamic state. But yet, the Muslims decided to help. Because humanity, look, you know, as human beings, we're all creations of Allah. We cannot see anybody die, anybody starve to death. So the Muslims acted, and the ruler acted, actually, and he helped uh, the people of Ireland. So these are the two examples where you see how the Muslims uh, will help. And no wonder then we find that throughout our history, really famines did not really do much damage. 
Not many people died under Islamic rule. For a thousand years, thousand three hundred years actually, there's no record of massive deaths. But yet, despite that, you know, if you look at or if you compare to capitalism in the last three hundred years, when they've been dominating the world, we find tens of millions of people starving. And this is a known fact. Simply because capitalism is not there to help the people. Capitalism is a system by very few people benefit and it's a system where people are competing for resources where they do not give any value to human life the value is given to material profit acquisition of wealth hoarding of wealth as this is the core concept which they have core motive which they have rather and this is in complete contrast to what um, uh, Islam uh, says so just in summary, we would say really that capitalism is really the source of massive famines. They have actually created a lot of uh, problems for the world out there. Um, our history shows definitely that uh, we can deal with any kind of calamity that we have simply because our system is there. Um, Islam also has a very beautiful system of distribution. You know, our economic system actually is geared towards distribution. So that the wealth is actually spread out amongst the people. And it's not hoarded by anybody. In fact, hoarding of the wealth is forbidden in Islam. Unless it's for a particular reason. If you want to buy a house or a car or want to get married or something, then you can save money. But other than that, it is not permitted that people hoard wealth for the sake of hoarding. You know, just for the rainy day. But rather, you've got to spend money. So the whole system of Islam, you know, is designed to distribute the wealth. You know, so the money does not make circulation amongst the rich people or a few of the people. And this is a system that's needed for mankind for the humanity. This is really the solution to check or to counteract any famine, any natural disasters we have. Islam can help, has helped and will deal with this problem effectively. Capitalism actually leads to deaths of millions and this is right in front of our eyes. Today we find that we have the latest and best technology. The most sophisticated technology in the history of man is in front of, our, in front of us. We can travel at a speed faster than the speed of sound. We're thinking of setting up colonies on the moon and further to Mars. You know, we can speak to anybody in the world, high definition, live streaming, so communication is there. Immediately we know what's happening in parts of the world. But yet, today, as we sit here, we find 30 million people are at the point of starvation. The system is not there. The system is not there to help those people. Why? Because the system that we live under, or the ideology we live under, is capitalism. And that system is not geared for distribution. So, inshallah, we should all focus on Islam and try to work for Islam to bring back that system because this is the only way we can save people. Inshallah. Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit islampodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe. 
Share and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.